Hi guys, welcome to 11th episode of EdTech Crowd Podcast. Here is Mateusz Rybiński and in this series I talk to founders, innovators and people important for EdTech scene. This podcast is powered by EdTech Poland Foundation, the community of EdTech startups from Poland. If you would like to learn more about EdTech Poland Foundation, please check www.edtechpoland.pl. In this episode, I will interview very interesting guests from the United States. Nick Gross, an entrepreneur, musician and the founder of Find Your Grind, education platform. Hello, Nick. Uh, welcome to the EdTech crowd. It's great to be on here. Yeah, man. Excited to uh, to finally meet and make this happen. Great. Um, so, Nick, um, I checked your background. You have really interesting stories, ventures. So can you start from sharing a bit uh, what your story and then also how did you decide to uh, get into the ad tech industry? That's always my my question. I ask myself every single day as I work on this ad tech venture, <laughs> but we'll definitely get to that. You know, my, my background, I, I grew up in Orange County, California, um, Southern California. I, when I, you know, was a young kid, I, I took a huge interest in the drums and figured out I was decently talented in music in general and was able to pick up the drums quick and pick up the guitar and had piano lessons as a young kid and, you know, started my first band, believe it or not, when I was about 11 years old. And wow, that band was called Stool, yeah, St- Stool Pigeon. <laughs> I don't know how we came up with the name still to this day, but I still don't know really what it means. But uh, yes, yeah, so, you know, realized that I was quickly drawn to music, quickly drawn to like loving music out of Southern California back in the early 2000s, late 90s bands like No Doubt and Goldfinger and Blink-182 and uh, Green Day. You know, I was a big Incubus fan as well. So there was this kind of just awesome scene of alternative music and pop punk music happening out of Southern California and really just, you know, drew into that really, really quickly and started my own band. And and it was really kind of my, my hustle and my focus outside of, you know, the little bit of schoolwork that I was accomplishing as a high school kid <laughs> was never really great at school, never really a fan of, of, of class and school and, and never really a great test taker. And, um, you know, I had a hard time kind of focusing and I, I just was really drawn to my passion in music and in drums. And the thing that I was really inherently talented at and skilled at as a young person. And, um, you know, grew that band until I was, you know, about 17 years old. And my senior year in high school, we ended up being on a show here in Laguna Beach, a reality TV show came into our town called MTV Laguna Beach. And uh, MTV Laguna Beach was this first ever soft scripted reality TV series that happened to feature our band on the on the third season of their show. And we ended up signing a record deal with Sony Epic Records. Yeah, Sony Epic Records when I was 17 years old, two weeks before I was supposed to go to college. And, uh, you know, I was really kind of in that inflection point of parents really wanting me to go to college and wanting me to do the the thing that most parents want their kids to go do out of school um, and fighting them with what I really wanted to go do and what I was really passionate and interested in. And quite frankly, earning money at a young age through, through music um, and through my band and through this record deal that I had. And so I spent about I did end up going to school. I mean, I say that I went to school, but barely kind of went through any classes. And I was really focused on just this new record deal I had and the band I was in and, you know, ended up dropping out of college about four months into my experience to go, you know, travel the world and and play shows and, you know, create music and and write an album with, with my first record deal that I ever had as a young person. And so, you know, that was my foray into music. I, I kind of, Fast forward that a couple of years, I was able to start a recording studio in Los Angeles that I have today called The Noise Nest, which is a really awesome 
you know, complex that's turned into five recording studios and two basketball courts and gaming and esports rooms and just a really cool way. You know, I call it a big content factory of all different kinds of things going across media and music. Um, and, uh, you know, this concept of, I, of find your grind really started through music through my studio. And, and one day I kind of looked at my wife and I, I told her, Hey, I want to, I want to figure out something that I can, I can do to give back, you know, to young people. And, and we kind of looked at what we had access to, which was this, this recording studio that I started. And we started to bring kids through our studio space, uh, that were interested in exploring what the music industry was like, but just didn't have the resources or the access or the, or the tools or, you know, exposure into that. And so we, we started Find Your Grind initially as a nonprofit here in California. And we threw these quarterly events where we'd bring kids to our studio space and just really get them excited about what the mu music industry was like. And kind of a light bulb went off in my head to go, how can I start to do this potentially across hundreds of emerging careers, right? Not just the music industry. Mm -hmm. There's so many things that have evolved and changed over the last, you know, 10 years, and especially over the last three years. But, you know, how can we start to showcase what these areas of industries and careers and the evolution of the future of work really looks like um, to thousands of kids and just and really take this to a bigger level. And, uh, you know, ended up <laughs> jumping into a tour bus for about 16 months and, and created a speaking tour inside of schools around the entire country uh, called the Find Your Grind Tour, where we really started to speak to kids um, inside of schools about, you know, what kind of the real world is actually like, right? <laughs> um, mm. You know, bringing in some awesome, awesome speakers from all different kinds of uh, backgrounds and cultures and really just getting kids to think outside of the box about their trajectories and their possibilities and what the future of the world kind of is looking like and shaped up to be. And, um, you know, I did that for about 16 months. So I always say I went from playing shows at 10 p.m. at night to now waking up at six in the morning to speak to gymnasiums full of kids. And it was totally a crazy experience for us just to, I think, really get inside the heads of where young people are at today. You know, I th this was back in about 2019. And so it was about 15 years after I had graduated high school and to kind of see how little had really evolved or changed inside of schools and really hearing the same conversations and anxieties and pressures and fears for this, this generation of kids around, you know, how to take their next steps, what to do after school, the skills that are needed to, to kind of thrive and prosper in, in the quote unquote 21st century. And you know, how to go find meaningful work and things that interest them. And a lot of kids just feeling that pressure to have to just suddenly choose a, choose a, um, a path and choose a, uh, a major and, and all this stuff without really knowing kind of who they want to be and where they want to go. And so you've, you felt a lot of that energy during these tour stops and these speaking events that we did. And so we ended up creating a, an ed tech platform and a product to help solve that problem. Yeah, that's that's really amazing, you know, um, the idea to give it back. Uh, and also, I think most of us at some point felt this pressure and the anxiety and uh, uncertainty what to do uh, when we are a teenager and you have to choose your path and you usually have no idea what to do. Yeah? So most of the patterns is like just to follow what parents say or what they do. Yeah. So that's why we have, you know, these generations of doctors, lawyers and stuff. Uh, so it's, it's really something which inspired me to be honest. Um, and can you tell a bit more what the uh, find your grind is right now? How does it work? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, find your grind is, you know, at our core, we're, we're a digital curriculum. Um, and, and personalized learning solution for, for Gen Z. We primarily target middle school and, and high school grade levels. So grade six to grade 12 with our 
product. At the core of the platform, you know, we're really rooted in helping students learn about themselves. So, you know, a ton of kind of these self-discovery elements within, within the product. We help them explore career possibilities and most importantly, the people and the mentors behind those careers that share their stories and experiences on how they got started and mistakes they've made and, you know, kind of key life lessons they've learned through the process of their of their career, of what they're currently focused on. And then last and, and almost most importantly, we help them through, you know, really understanding kind of their personal, social and emotional development. So we really have kind of this combination and find your grind that focuses a lot on social and emotional learning through a curriculum that um, also blends with this uh, career exploration piece across hundreds of emerging careers and the people that humanize those careers, which we call mentors on our Find Your Grind platform. So, you know, I think what what makes us different is is really kind of the framework of how we've approached this self discovery conversation for young people, which which is really comes in the 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 form of of lifestyle. So we use this term a lot with Find Your Grind. We actually have kids take a lifestyle assessment on the platform, which is the first thing that we have every student do. And, and really the questions of that assessment kind of bring kids through, you know, thinking about how they want to live their life. You know, what are their values? What are their interests? What are their, what are their inherent skill sets and strengths they think they have? How do they envision their workplace? How do they envision their, their home life? What types of things would they bring on a vacation that are important to them? Just things that kind of factor into how, how they want to live their life and the things that they value is important to them. And, and then taking down, taking them down this funnel of, of, you know, kind of looking at careers as, as a last point, right? Like there's a lot of kids who are going to be evolving into multiple careers throughout their, throughout their journey, you know, every, every three to four years, if not you know, quicker than that with a lot of Gen Z kids moving in and out of different careers really quickly. And so, you know, we, we start with that framework because it, I, we really believe that it's not, it's not what you want to be anymore. It's, it's who you want to be, you know, and being able to navigate who you are through multiple careers throughout a lifetime, I think is, is more so how I think this generation is thinking and, and feeling about stuff. And, you know, you take that back to our parents and our generation, right. And it was very linear back in, back in the day where there was a specific outcome, right? You, you went to college because it guaranteed you that great job. And um, it was kind of about the perfect grades to the perfect college to the perfect job equals the perfect life. And I think that, you know, we, this, this new generation of young people are really waking up to this new fluidity in the world where it's, it's really a very nonlinear and non-structured world with way less boundaries and way more options. And um, I think the way kids find work and think about themselves in the way of, of their job is also very um, relatable to that and to the culture we live in today. And so, yeah, we the lifestyle assessment piece is really big for us. Um, like I mentioned before, we do combine a lot of the social and emotional learning with the career readiness comp competencies through exploration of careers. And I'd say lastly, we really, with Find Your Grind and our product, really focus on delivering it in a way that's relevant to Gen Z. So a lot of our are the way that we serve content and serve activities and and have them go through the curriculum are are in formats that are very native to to young people. So um, the ways that we really looked into the ways that they're used to consuming content on mobile and through text messaging and through social media and really bite sized kind of learning and quick content and video consumption being so much shorter in, in terms of a bandwidth and and uh, attention span than we've been used to, you know, in previous decades. And so really embedding a lot of that, that, um, 
those kind of concepts into the actual experience of how we deliver our content in, in our learning experience and the product itself. So yeah, I know that's a lot to unpack there, but that's, that's a bit of what find your grind is. And I think, you know, the ultimate goal for us is, is really to help build, you know, more future ready students who understand who they are and where they want to go in the world um, and feel confident about their next steps. So that's really what we're trying to do. Very interesting. And I think uh, very needed, especially in nowadays, but um, can you explain a bit more how the business model works for you? How, if you target like uh, um, students uh, themselves or you go through schools? Sure, yeah. Yeah, so so we're a B2B business model. So we are we are on the journey of navigating the, the K-12 B2B sales game and sales process here in the United States. We sell directly to to districts and to single site level schools across the entire country. No, that's our business model today. Can that evolve in the future in terms of international markets and potentially B2C, direct to consumer, direct to the student, um, potential direct to parents models for sure. But being that we are, you know, a startup in our kind of growth stage mode right now, we we're we're being very focused. Um, we believe there's a there's a big enough market opportunity across middle schools and high schools to to create a successful business. It's just a matter if you have the patience and and I guess the efficiency and the quickness to be able to navigate the bureaucracy of K-12 of sometimes mm-hmm. what that comes with here in the United States. But um, we're, we're ready to kind of take the challenge. All right. And um, what do you think are your biggest successes so far uh, for Find Your Grind? And uh, what kind of challenges you see for uh, the company? Yeah, you know, I, I would say our, our biggest success, I mean, really the, the speaking events that we were able to do early on for the first two years prior to us even building this product you know, really talking to those students and meeting educators and meeting schools really gave us like a really good chance to just understand the culture, understand the environment of K-12, um, understand kind of the, you know, the the ways to kind of navigate the, the education system before we had built the product. And so really that was kind of like our customer, you know, our customer research, right? Like mm-hmm. at a really, really early point in the company prior to us having this product. And so I think that was kind of our biggest success of having that opportunity where we really like started with our why first of like, why did we want to create something? And why did we want to build a product over over just going for the what first of like, well, what do we want to create? You know, the it was really mm-hmm. easy for us to understand like why we why we were creating it and the mission behind the business through just being in front of our audience of who we wanted to build this for at an early time. And so I feel really lucky we were able to do that. And it's definitely a different way to start a business. But for us, that was the journey yeah. we were on. I, um, I have one question you know, honestly, about this. Uh, yeah. when, when you planned the tour, did you already have uh, in mind the platform or it came after the tour? It came after came mm-hmm. completely after after the tour you know it was like i said you know just just being able to have thousands of conversations with with young people and to hear their stories and to hear those stresses and pressures and you know the the uncertainty and the feeling of being unprepared for their next steps and and for what happens next after school really prompted the idea around creating a solution for that so yeah definitely before we had the product even really built it was it was having these speaking tours, which really helped us think through the best ways to solve the problems for for, for young people. Um, and that's the solution we got to today with Find Your Grind. Um, you know, I'd say as, as far as to answer your question around just biggest challenges, I I can I can kind of compartmentalize that into into probably three 
areas, which might be helpful for people to think about. Um, and I'll categorize it into like challenges as an overall industry for K-12, challenges as, as a product, and then maybe challenges as kind of a, a, a sales team and how we're figuring out how to distribute this product. If that's maybe helpful, I can kind of think about all three of those areas because there's certainly challenges in, in multiple lanes as we've been scaling and building this thing. I think from a from an industry perspective, you know, I think you, you know, it, it's really just trying to trying to under, understand a lot of kind of the the bureaucracy, like I was saying before, around K-12 and, and the industry yeah. and 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 figuring out the best ways for a product like Find Your Grind that isn't necessarily a core curriculum, right? We're not a science, we're not a history, we're not an English, we're not a math curriculum, right? We are a supplemental product that is helping kids understand and hopefully helping them learn more about who they want to be, where they want to go and and developing these personal personal and social and emotional skills. And that's not unfortunately a, a prioritization, I feel like in the United States right now. And so really the biggest challenge as an industry for us in terms of the product that we, we have is just figuring out the best implementation use case Cases, like helping schools figure out the best ways to implement this product from a just pure 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. time frame, right? Like how do we fit in this supplemental kind of curriculum here into the core part of our day? And that for me is I think the most exciting thing as a edtech founder of, of a business that isn't core curriculum and isn't just a math thing and a STEM related thing, which I'm all about those products, but this is what excites me the most about being a tech founder and navigating this is just also having something that just isn't very, you know, it's not as accepted, right, as these other kind of um, core curriculums. And so that's been like a big challenge for us is just figuring out best implementation cases and making that really clear for schools of how to best implement a product like Find Your Grind throughout the period of a day, which is which is also very exciting. You know, we have a ton of money here in the United States. I don't know if you know, you know, the past three years since COVID, the this thing called ESSER funding, which really goes towards the elementary and secondary school uh, emergency relief funds. And there's mm -hmm. there's close to $200 billion, $200 billion that has been <laughs> awarded through the government um, for, for various use cases, right, to help schools kind of get back on their feet from COVID. And, you know, one of them, one of the use cases for that funding is around social and emotional learning, um, which Find Your Grind falls into that bucket. And Believe it or not, out of the out of the hundred and twenty billion dollars of the latest tranche of money, so there's one hundred and twenty out of two hundred, which is the biggest tranche of money that got accepted in September of 2021. Only seven percent of that money has been has been spent by schools um, and by oh, districts okay. in the United States. So and what's the problem with I think with spending this? Yeah, like yeah, and so yeah, and I think it's it's really that's that's the thing where it's like you know. There's so much funding and available resources, but I, you know, I've I've been really challenged with trying to understand why schools and why districts aren't putting more of that money, you know, to use, and whether that's a lack of motivation, a comfort in what schools are already currently using in the system, what their districts already currently pay for, um, not knowing the proper ways to submit for that funding. I think it's just a general lack of understanding, willingness, energy, um, and, you know, just, yeah, like I, that to me has always been something <laughs> I've, I've learned about this over the last three years. It's really kind of baffled me in terms of a challenge within this industry is why aren't we as a nation, you know, um, here in the United States 
figuring out how to best optimize funds that are given to schools to essentially help them get back on their feet. And there's obviously a lot of things that the education system United States battles constantly across the learning loss that has happened with COVID, you know, finding and keeping great teachers, uh, which are leaving by the masses this year and last year, and a lot of really kind of core problems to actually keeping facilities up and running. Um, and so not to go too far down a rabbit hole, I just thought that that was really interesting as I've been learning more about you know, the available funding in this space and, and the challenge of how to actually go out and, and, and find that funding and help schools navigate how to apply for that funding, how to use that funding for your products, to pay for specific things, um, and so on and so forth. I, um, and I would, I would say as, a, as another component of a, of a challenge is really as an industry, you know, the, people want to see the research and, and really the efficacy and the um, proof proof that your product works right that like uh-huh. you're making an impact that you're that you're growing students that your um that your product works and so for us we've really been learning how to properly back our product into research into a framework that um you know shows that we our curriculum isn't just something that was written by you know um my brother <laughs> it was something that was <laughs> written 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 and 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 has a real framework and a real approach towards how we we think about building more future ready students through the the core of our platform so research was another big one for me that I've learned in terms of challenges of just how to properly position the framework and the research behind the outcomes you're creating for students was a big one um I'll quit I'll, I'll jump now into product you know I, I I would say from a product perspective the biggest challenge for us has been um, really making sure that, you know, teachers are using the product and making sure that it's not something that a district or school just buys and it sits in the back corner of a room, um, that there's great tactics to, to onboard teachers efficiently and quickly that they understand the product, you know, a big kind of KPI, um, indicator for, for our company is, is teacher usage and, and how frequently they come back to use the product and, you know, if a teacher isn't using your product, there's there's got to be something wrong with it, right? Like whether it's they don't understand how to get into it quick enough, it's not easy enough to understand, um, it's not their kids are disengaging with it. So teacher usage is is obviously hugely important, and and making sure that we're um, you know kind of optimizing the the you know the amount of usage and that we're getting out of the product in schools. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd say from a from a sales perspective, I would say the biggest challenge for us is is understanding what, you know, how to, how to scale an internal sales team, um, and the right time to do that and, uh, keeping a sales team accountable to their goals and to their, to their quotas and to the expectations of, of where, you know, where you want them to hit sales. Um, you know, we've made this mistake early on as an early company of bringing in a VP of sales. And I think that for us was definitely something where, you know, I learned quickly that having someone at the top just thinking about all this strategy and not someone who's actually selling and going into the schools and doing the work and and hustling to find deals and close opportunities that's really what you need as it as an as a startup is like hungry sales reps that want to put numbers on the board and want to sell a product um so that you can get revenue through the door get going before bringing in you know more of that B- vp of sales structure so that's 
you know, I, there's many avenues to go within that, but I would say that for me just jumps out quickly as a challenge of just understanding the, the right way to balance scaling a sales team, which we've started to kind of start to figure out right now. Uh, yeah, a lot of interesting insights and details. I think uh, my uh, European listeners will be shocked when they realize the numbers uh, you just mentioned. It's, it's, it's really huge, um, especially comparing to Europe. Um, okay, and um, you said um, at the beginning that um, during your uh, educational journey, um, you are not a very big fan of school uh, tests and so on. So maybe can you tell us a bit about your opinion in educational system in the US in general? And also, how do you see the tech industry right now? Man, oh man, <laughs> that's a great question um, and a large one to unpack. And I'll try and do it as efficiently as I can. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, in my opinion, you know, I f we're in this kind of constant tug of war, right? Between between how fast the world is changing and how fast the world has changed quite frankly over the last 20 years because of technology and because of all the things that factor into the internet and just how how much that has evolved society in general and i know we all know that this is nothing new and i think that if you imagine kind of this rope right it's it's this constant tug of war on the left side you have how fast the world has has evolved and on the right side you have how fast the education system has been able to keep up with that and you know, the, the rope is getting tighter and tighter and tighter, right? Um, we we kind of have this 19th century platform with a 21st century idea of success, you know, and, and what that means today. Um, and quite frankly, I I really do feel like education as a whole is, is the wrong platform um, in the way that it's systematically built. Um, and the system doesn't really know how to get out of its own way. Um, you know, I, I think that districts and schools here in America have a devotion to the current architecture of what education system and, and the school and schooling has been, and unfortunately don't know how to integrate the real life skills and the tangible, you know, social and emotional learning stuff and how we prepare kids for their futures and create successful human beings at the end of the day. Um, kids who are spending a half of their, their life, you know, if not two thirds of their existence as a young person in these institutions, you would think that the goal would be to send them out feeling confident and successful about what they've learned and who they want to be and the, and the path that they want to begin on, um, as a baseline. But I, you know, I don't think that districts have really figured out or the, you know, the, the state level of education and, the government, quite frankly, on how to work in this kind of 21st century stuff into the main vein of the system. Um, and so, you know, I, I think for, for change to happen with that, and I, I've been doing a lot of talking recently, especially this last week with a lot of people who, you know, the, the, this awesome gentleman, uh, Dr. Rudy Crew, who is the ex-prince, uh, excuse me, the ex-superintendent of New York City Public Schools back in the early 2000s. Um, he was the ex-superintendent of Miami-Dade, the second largest district in the United States. Um, 
you know, and he, he, he mentions that, you know, I ask him this, like, how, how do you think large change happens within the education system here in the United States? Like, how do we get out of this thinking of just passing kids through the system and, and, you know, <laughs> making sure that you're getting your funding as a school and as a district by, by just graduating kids and just getting them through the system, flowing them out, getting them in, getting them out. Um, and, and I think it's a combination of like, you know, the political will and the, um, you know, the, the, the kind of the will of the political system in a sense to really help grow some of these ideas at, at the state level, which funnels down into these LEA boards, the, the boards of these schools across the state, um, and the kinds of products that they want to choose to focus on implementing at the end of the day. Um, cause it's ultimately up to them. Right. Um, in, in, a, in a lot of ways, right? Outside of the superintendents of these districts and the principals of these schools. And you have a lot of them that wanna, that wanna start to bring in new ideology and new, new content for kids and new kinds of curriculum that help kids think through these real world ideas a little bit better. And, and you find the winners, right? When you find the winners, but as a whole, as an education system, as a whole across the country, it's a lot slower of a moving ship because we've just been used to the way of, how we've been used to doing things and the standardization priority around how we test kids and how we, you know, give them SATs and test them on things that quite frankly, don't make a difference in one way or another about the success of their life or not. So why are we continuing to categorize and standardize the, the process um, when that's not the world and the reality of how these kids, what they're going to step out and live in. So yeah, it's it's a long, long-winded question there. I mean, I think it's the education system in the United States. I think is far towards the bottom of the totem pole for a reason. Um, ultimately, it'd be amazing to have one person to be able to make the decisions <laughs> that go across <laughs> it. We live in a very politically uh, divided country here, and a lot of opinions and a lot of people who think that you know specific. Uh, you know, resources and curriculum should be in specific states versus other states and very politically driven and hard to come to a, to a, you know, uh, a good place here to move things forward. But, but, you know, I don't know nearly enough about it. That's kind of just my high level opinion. Hopefully that's helpful for some mm -hmm. people to understand. Yep. Um, and imagine you have a magic stick and you can change one thing in the educational system in the United States, what it would be. Yeah, I would say my magic wand would would have to go towards that uh, of kind of everything we've been talking about today. Just more of an emphasis on helping kids feel way better prepared for their futures um, in whatever sense that might be. You know, I think it a lot of that does come down to the social, emotional, personal skills, um, how students think about themselves, how well they understand and know themselves, the self awareness they have, the soft skills they have. Um, you know, I, as, as we see kind of employers and brands and in the United States prioritizing different things for young people versus just a degree, um, you know, I, I would, I would really wish to kind of wave my magic wand to some type of way where you have a, a, a day that lasts from eight to 2 PM in a school mm -hmm. that you have 11 AM to, to noon where kids are just focused on, on that, you know, on their futures mm -hmm. and on, 
on on ways that they can imagine themselves living and thriving and and being and um whatever that may be whether that's project you know exploration yeah that that they yeah yeah you know like more of that of just like igniting kids curiosity and excitement and um you know when a kid gets excited and curious about something they want to learn about it you know a lot of these kids don't want to learn about things that don't that they're not naturally gravitated towards. So they check out, you know, and, and they're not interested and they're not going to learn that way because they're, they're checked out when you can kind of ignite that curiosity and excitement and passion around something where they can see themselves in it um, and say like, Hey, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm really, really good at this. I have this, this skill set around this and that fits really great with what this, you know, person does in his career. Like I want to explore more of that. And I want to learn more about that kind of person and how he started and what he did. And, um, yeah, I think that would be my magic wand, right? Like let's create mm-hmm. let's create an hour a day where kids can just do that. Like what why is that such a why is that such a a thing? Why is that such a hard thing, you know? And, and yeah. that's where I would love to see it evolve to. Okay. Um based on your experience, what would you recommend to new edtech uh, startup founders, those who want to start something in the edtech industry? What what would you recommend to these uh fellows? You know, I would really recommend the way we started building Find Your Grind's product was before we set out to spend all these costs and all these resources on on building a product, we really took a step back to do, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of hours of of real user-centered testing, meaning, you know, interviews and conversations with students, with teachers, and with parents um about you know to really get to the final end point of having a minimum viable product an mvp right minimum viable mm-hmm. product that we could build to enter the market in the quickest way possible that was solving the the biggest problem and could create the right kind of value for for the end user um that we knew was the right value um because of the research we had done and because of the questions we had asked and because of the um you know kind of research we got back through doing these interviews so really kind of this user-centered testing approach for us was really big of just being in front of the person and the people we were building this for and understanding the problems and understanding how they use products and um understanding if this thing was even a real problem we thought was like our kids really do kids really have a hard time, you know, understanding their next steps and, and feeling unprepared after they graduate college uh, or, or even high school? Like, is this even a problem? You know, we think it is, but, but is it? Let's ask people, let's talk about it. And then if that is a problem, what would be the most minimum viable product and solution we could create to build the quickest, to launch the quickest that could solve that problem? And so that's what we did at a really, really um, early point. In our in our business, so I think that was really helpful for us. Um, and quite honestly, just you know, scaling as rapidly as you can. I know it sounds it sounds kind of uh, broad, and and you know, I could break that down into a lot of pieces. But really, at the end of the day, as a, as a startup, you know, it's it's um, having a mission, uh, having a purpose around why you're doing what you're doing. Um, being able to to really get in the front of of the users first before you build anything, making sure you're solving the right problem and scaling that solution as quickly as you can. And 
um, and finding the passionate users for that product and, and sharing their stories, like lifting up the teachers and the schools who are using and engaging with your product through, through press, like put them in a newspaper, in a local newspaper, right? Like so-and-so school just used, you know, used find your grind for the first time. And this is how they're using it. And this is the engagement they're getting out of this from their students and the, and the impact they're having from it. And it's because of this teacher, or it's because of this superintendent who decided to bring on the product and really lifting them up, you know, and, and giving those people a voice, I think is, is really kind of a, a great way to look at it. And, you know, creating that groundswell, if you can, between teachers who are recommending your product to other teachers and um, because it was so easy, because it was so user-friendly, because their students were getting, because uh, it resonated with their students and and captured their attention, right? They weren't bored using the product. Um, things like that, you know, and, and, and hopefully seeing that low-cost scale start to happen through through as much word of mouth as as possible. So hopefully some of that's helpful. Yeah, that, that's actually the, if I would have to choose something from what you said before, I, I would say the same. I mean, that, that that's part of the story is really interesting that it came from, you know, not just, okay, so let's start the platform and figure it out what kind of platform we want to do, but rather, okay, you had some mission, you went through so many schools, uh, you talked to kids and then you realize that there is a need. So yeah, that's something amazing and kind of unique uh, still, I think, in the um, startup world. Um, can you uh, share uh, about your foundings? If uh, you are a VC-driven uh, startup or you uh, grow it organically or maybe some other path you, you took? Yeah, I mean, in the beginning, very much so <laughs> organic through the speaking mm -hmm. tours we did. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I've, I've to, to start this business, um, you know, I've, I've invested some of my own capital into the company. Um, so for about, you know, eight to 12 months in the beginning, this was, this was privately funded, um, through just me and believing in this company and, and wanting to put money into this in November of 2021, we, we closed a seed round of venture funding. So we really kind of made that that switch from a privately funded company to a venture funded company, uh, which comes with its own set of, of rules and, and people and uh, <laughs> other investors and, and personalities into the, into the game, which I think has actually been really helpful for us um, having the advisors and investors that we do to, to help us think through these problems and, and navigate the space. And we're hopeful to to go out and raise our A round here at the top of next year, um, and 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 get to our our million in in ARR by uh, by about you know May or June. We're hopeful of, of next year is really the how we're trending. So, yeah, it's mm. it's been a fun fun journey of figuring out the ins and outs of raising finance and how to position the company and um, and make that transition from private to venture funded funded capital. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you read books? I do read books as much as I uh, can. Not enough. <laughs> yeah. That's usually what uh, people who read books uh, have these feelings. Any recommendation, one book or the ed tech crowd, people from ed tech industry, it doesn't have to be really related to education as well. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'll throw, you know, my, I'll give a big shout out again to a, kind of a new friend, a new introduction, Dr. Rudy Crew here in mm -hmm. in uh, Los Angeles, um, who was the previous 
New York City school superintendent and Miami-Dade superintendent, amongst many other things in education. And, and his book is called Only Connect. And it's it's really about oh how God. to how to save how, only connect. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's it's really about how to save schools in, in America. And I think, you know, that you know, that book was was written a bit ago. It I think really holds true to a lot of the philosophies that still hang around today. Um, the ideologies around education in America today and just a really insightful guy and passionate dude about what he does and has, has lived the game and I think offers some really great input and ideas of how to make um, impact in in schools in America. Might not be as exciting for like ed tech founders of new companies. I think those kind of books I always gravitate towards more of the, you know, entrepreneurial self-start, um, you know, mindset, positive mindset kind of kind of books to encourage you to to you know, have the right mindsets and positive energy and all that stuff that it takes to to start a young company. And so there's plenty of those out there. Okay. Uh, thank you very much. So do you have any last words you want to say to the audience? No, I mean, uh, good luck to everybody, you know, <laughs> from, you know, founders of their own companies to, uh, you know, people who are kind of, hopefully some of you resonate with the story and definitely encourage you guys to, to check out, find your grind, you know, it's, it's findyourgrind.com. You know, we're, we're, uh, we're building it, what we think is a pretty awesome solution in the space. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited to kind of talk, talk to any founders or, or, or investors or passionate people in this space that, that have an interest about the story and, and what we're building. So yeah, just go check out find your grind and all of our socials are, are at find your grind as well. Okay. Uh, if someone would like to reach you, uh, founders, investors, uh, what is the best channel to find you? You know, the best way, always can shoot me an email. I'm happy to give that out. Just, okay. You know, Nick, N-I-C-K at findyourgrind.com, Nick at findyourgrind.com. Easy enough. Um, and then, you know, all my personal social social accounts are just at Nick Gross. So, okay. you know, you can find me. Thank you very much, uh, Nick. Uh, I wish all the best uh, for uh, Find Your Grind. Uh, I think it's really amazing idea, really needed. So hopefully it will grow not only in the US, but also internationally. And um, thank you uh, very much to EdTech Crowd audience and see you in the next episode.